Well, the first in credit scene, what happens, Mike? Tell us, tell us what happens. The first you're going to have to do that, man. I do not. Why? I do what? not remember. Okay, okay. So <laughs> the first one, you have Shang Chi, Katie, and Wong looking at the Ten Rings and they're studying them. And apparently, Wong has done something to make the Ten Rings like project some kind of image. Then we get the bombshell of the bombshells. We have Bruce Banner in his human form, no longer the Hulk. And he still has his arm in a sling. That is, there's so many crazy things with that. But then we also get Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, is right next to them. And right. they're all looking at the rings and trying to figure out what they are. And um, at some point, uh, Mark, Captain Marvel has to go. And this is real. This is a really short thing. But Captain Marvel's always been sort of standoffish. But in this scene, she's like, I ha- we have to go. I'm sorry. It was so nice to meet you. And then she leaves. And I thought that was nice. Like, she has a nice attitude right there. But then Bruce Banner's like, hey, welcome to the funhouse. And then leaves. But there's two things there. One, something's happened to Bruce Banner. Because the last time we saw him, he was the Hulk. And now he's not. He was like the Professor Hulk. Type yes, and now right? he's Where not. It's both Bruce and Hulk combined. Exactly. And then second, his arm is still hurt. So it's like, how long is he? How long has this been happened? Like, how long is it always going to be this way? Like Marvel, I don't know what, I don't know whose genius idea that was, but they that opens up a huge bunch of questions that we hopefully will get answered when She Hulk comes out. And when did he hurt his arm? In in Avengers Endgame, he used his uh, he he used the Infinity Stones to bring back everybody, but it destroyed his arm when he did it. Uh, Don't worry, Mike. We're going to do a two hour podcast on Avengers Endgame and Avengers <laughs> Infinity War, so you will have plenty of time to talk about those things. Um, right. So, like, there's a rumor is that his arm is always going to be screwed up, and when people saw the Abomination in the Shang Chi trailers, people started questioning where where the Hulk was. I think and this is just me talking out my butt. I think that Marvel has huge plans for the Hulk, and by bringing in Banner right there. They're signifying that they got plans, but we don't know what those plans are yet. Because, um, mm. like, at some, like, they wouldn't bring him into that movie, into this in credit scene, if they didn't want us to speculate and ask a lot of questions, you know. And like, I thought it was really well done. And we do know that Captain Marvel's got some movies, got a movie coming out soon too. So, they speaking did- of um, speaking of the Abomination, did you catch that Wong? Uh, referred to the abomination as Emil when yeah. they were fighting. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So I don't know what they plan on doing. They got a lot of different things going on, but whatever they're planning, it's more purposeful and more thought out than what they did the last um, series. So if you look at, so I'm, I'm going to call it the Infinity Stone series. The movies from Iron Man One to Infinity Endgame, all those movies mm-hmm. are in, are the Infinities, are the Infinity series. And now we're into a new series that we don't know yet. But there has been rumors that a, that the Secret Wars could be involved. We don't know. So um, it's still it's still up in the air. We still have a lot of movies and TV shows to get through. Hawkeye's going to come out soon. Spider Man's going to come out soon, and so we have, we still have to wait. Um, but I, I I was real hyped seeing seeing Banner in a normal form, but his arms still hurt was really cool. Um, but apparently the um, the rings were had some kind of signal that was that was projecting. They were calling to something. So the next right. time we see Shang Chi, like kind of a homing signal. Yeah. So the next time we see Shang Chi, they're going to go after that. So we haven't seen the last of the rings yet. So I think that's cool. That's and so. then the second one. I forgot what the second. Oh, the second one is we. Second we one see, was about his sister. Yeah, his sister. Um, in the movie, in the movie, Shang Chi said that his sister was uh, went um, to go shut down the Ten Rings. Yes, yeah, but in fact, she took over the Ten Rings. Right, and Marvel did. Marvel said, "You will see the Ten Rings again." You know, like, right, okay. right. Like, so, so let me ask you, is it going to be their own movie? Is it going to be a series? What's it going to be? Like, what, what is it? I don't know, but I think it would kind of be cool for them to be a bad guy through a series of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. not just one and done. Yeah. But like they, dude, you're they, so right. You're yeah. so right. Like all of a sudden the Ten Rings are a problem. And like that does two things. One, it gives us a villain that we can deal with on a regular basis, but also it allows us to be connected to Shang-Chi. Like what if the Ten Rings are in the new Hawkeye series, right? Oh, dude. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You right. know, that would be cool. And then like maybe Shang-Chi can guest star or something. Yeah. Like, um, but like, 
I never I, listen. I've watched a lot of Marvel movies, and I've watched a lot of not just the Marvel series that's been recent, um, but like uh, when I'm talking about Spider Man and other movies as well. I have never seen a movie like Shang Chi that has not only been good on its own right, but also primed and prepped more movies. Like what? How many movies that did prime here? Four. You know, like, like on its own, and so this, but it doesn't it, really feel heavy-handed the way it, that it, it does exactly. And like, it is a masterstroke. Like they nailed it, and now they get to do something with the Ten Rings. They get to do more Shang Chi. They get to they showed us they might do stuff with with um with the Hulk more. They showed that they primed us for Captain Marvel. Like they showed more stuff with Wong and Wong's by himself. He's not with Doctor Strange, which is also cool. Like. This well done. I got just I can't praise it high enough. It's just really well done. I do it's, like how they set it up so that her sister takes over the ten rings at the me end. Too. Me um, too. I mean, you know, she has a troubled relationship with her brother, but they were getting along fairly well. They definitely helped save our universe from the uh dwellers in darkness. Yeah. Together. Um, but they placed a few hints in the movie uh to where it doesn't feel it's a, it, it is a twist at the end of the movie, but it, it isn't a twist that feels like it's unnatural or it's something the character wouldn't have done. You yeah. know, she uh, said, you know, early in the movie that if she couldn't be part of her father's empire, she'd start her own. And she started a a um, a fighting empire, you know. Yeah. So and, and let's not let's not let's not assume that the Ten Rings are going to be villainous. We don't know. They could be. Uh, we don't know. Like, just because. Um, they were they were training and whatever at the end. We and 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 because the ten rings have always been bad, we don't know what they're going to do. So that's a good point. It could be very ambiguous. And but what I'm seeing is that Disney and Marvel understand that they have some good things cooking in this kitchen, and they want to, as Marvel and Disney do, they want to capitalize on it. So like, like that. I do like how she um kind of redid the uh, the base there. There's yeah. like lots of cool graffiti yeah. on it. That was kind. Of, that was kind of neat. I, and I, I, half I like of the half of the warriors are women. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was rad. So yeah, yeah it's gonna be some good stuff. I'm I'm really like whatever they're going to do with the Ten Rings. Um, I'm pretty excited by. It. And like you know, shout out once again from them taking something that was very obscure and and weird to making it big and awesome. And I've complained on this podcast that Marvel is moving too far away from their comic roots. I'm starting to think this is one of those times where they did move away far from the comet roots, but it was a success. It was a good thing. Now, can they continue to do that? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but um, I like what I saw in this, and we'll have to see what's next. I mean, I'm not going to say that Marvel is is perfect and like everything they do is gold, but I will say that this is a this this movie was was something that was sorely needed. I didn't know how much I needed a Marvel movie to be this good. And like Black Widow was good, but not nearly as good as this. So there you go. And in his room, uh, he's got some, his web slinger on his wrist, uh, activates something that he wasn't, he didn't really know was there. Um, Aunt May comes in the room, they talk about stuff. And then when she leaves, he's got some kind of a spidey signal coming out of his web slinger. Mm Mm-hmm. The heck is that? I don't know. Most people, most people don't know, but Spider Man has a utility belt. It's like under Batman. His, like very much like Batman. So the utility belt holds. So if you look at, so let's say you take the wrist and you look at the web shooters. The yeah. web shooters are on his wrist, and there's a little. They're supposed to be in the comments. There's a little block, like a little metal block, probably uh, a half an inch to an inch, and that and that holds the web fluid. So he has a whole belt of them around his waist. So whenever he runs out, he takes it off. He put, he gets a new one. He pops it in. Uh, on that belt is also. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll find some stuff in the show notes for you. Uh, on his belt is a little is a place that holds his spider trackers. These little spider trackers, and also is a uh, is a um, kind of a lamp or a flashlight on his belt. So he can actually click. On his belt, and like a little Spider-Man logo will shoot out from the belt, uh, and so not many people notice that. What's he uh, but, use that for? 
just to kind of, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a couple different cool scenes when he, when he uses that. It's kind of neat. That's like, oh, it's the Spider-Man logo. Oh, my goodness. But no, I, I don't know. Um, okay. But that's a shout out to that. And I think it's really, it's a really cool shout out because, it, because only comic book old school heads know that even existed. So that's, that's what right. it is. His, he doesn't have a belt in any of the movies, does he? No, 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 no. Like belt. even the earlier nope. two, no, two no uh, versions? Nope, okay. no belt. Nope. What about the cartoons? What cartoons? Oh, on the, on the light? No, like the belt. Does he have a belt? In oh, the, in, the, in, the comp, in the cartoons, he does have a belt, yes. Hmm. I don't remember that at all. I'll, I'll, dig, in, I'll dig into the show notes just so you can see it. Um, so it's really fun. Uh, and... So before I know we're running out of time, but there's a couple of different things. There's, so if you look at Spider-Man's suit, um, if you look at how his the Spider-Man eyes are, you see how the eyes would narrow or widen depending. It's actually yeah. a huge fight over Spider-Man's costume design. Some people like the narrow eyes, and some people like the wide eyes. And what Marvel did here was gave him both. So his eyes widen and narrow according to what they want to do. Uh, I thought that was really, I thought that was really clever uh, and really well done. But old in, in the movie, they explained that uh, that it's helps like him focus because he's yeah. he's distracted. Yeah, it's like, like a he little like I- has ADHD or something like that. Yeah, so he has heightened senses. So it's, he has so much oh, yeah, information yeah, yeah, yeah. coming. Heightened in. senses, right? Uh, right. So like it would narrow when he needs it to, wide when he doesn't need to. But um, it, but the real reason is it allows them to um, kind of manipulate his his. His his costume a little bit to show more emotion, but also uh, old school heads like that narrow eyes. So it's, it's a lot to it. Um, and and, and Spider Man's costume design is a classic costume. You don't you don't screw with it much. And so I like the, I like the, I like the current costume. It looks really good. Yeah, it looked good. What about the um, the goggles and the, the makeshift costume that we saw earlier in the movie? The makeshift costume's terrible. Uh, but no, but if you're a poor 15 year old, you, that's your costume. Yeah, yeah, like right. You know, that's what's going to look like. And then when you meet Tony Stark, you're going to get a really cool costume. So it is what it is. Was there any costumes like that in the in the comics at all? Or he always have a pretty decent one. He always, yeah, he always had a decent costume. But these movies were made. These, these comic books were made in the 60s, so the cost of living was far lower. So you could you you can make a costume for yourself. Yeah. That's it. I think that, I think that costume was kind of. I think there was a costume kind of like that in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, yeah, the, the Tobey Maguire movies and the Amazing Spider-Man movies. The costume is very similar. Uh, it's the, it's a classic red and blue costume with black webbing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this episode, Sylvie says something to uh, Loki. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead and say it. You know what I was going to say. All right. Yeah. So she's been doing this long was before he was born. Before you yeah. even existed. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck does that mean? It means that the timeline does not work chronologically correct correctly. Because okay, I'm gonna blow your mind. Okay, what if the timeline is it's like it's a it's okay. So you know what the infinity symbol looks like, right? Yeah, yeah, we've okay. seen it in the show. It looks like an hourglass. On exactly. The so my theory, and this kind of bothered me too, Mike, until I really started thinking about it. What if the sacred timeline resets? So and and every re- this is also explaining variation theory. Every time it resets, it could like okay. So let's say the timeline resets, and now we have a completely new new timeline. Oh, this is a girl Loki variation. Prune it. New reset. Oh, this one's good. Keep it. New reset. Oh, alligator Loki. Prune it. New reset. Oh, black Loki. Prune it. So what if it's like that? What if it's like mm. secular? Where every cycle, there's a new universe being created, a new timeline, and the TVA watches it and sees if it's okay or not. If it's not, they prune it. That could be, that has to be what they meant. Because that, that is a legitimate plot hole. What she said is a legitimate plot hole because we thought that all these universes were being created at the same time, right? But no, mm-hmm. the variations are happening in different cycles, and it makes it makes sense that they. Yeah, if the timeline ends and recycles, mm-hmm. perhaps she's from the sacred timeline cycle before yes. Loki is. That's the only way it makes sense. That's the only way that makes sense because we do see that they did say that, hey, we get a bunch of different Lokis, right? If that's mm-hmm. true, then that means they have a bunch of different instances where Lokis keep But you know what? Born. That still doesn't make sense because it, it does. Her timeline, her timeline was pruned, so her timeline got sent to the void. 
No, it's like, did you so ever? So it could have recycled did, and become. Did Loki's you watch? Timeline. Did you watch them when they hit the reset button? Did you watch what they did and how it looked visually? Uh, it looks the same way when you get hit with a baton. It, okay, so if you looked, whenever they hit the reset button and, and it went off, like let's say the the episode where um, baby Loki, baby Sylvie gets captured and they reset the timeline there, right? Yeah, right. Asgard, the total city of Asgard doesn't get destroyed. It's just these little bitty pieces around it. So her little toy boat was destroyed and a couple of other things. Is that not just what we see before the camera cuts away? I think that when they hit the reset, they reset the timeline, right? And then they see if another timeline will be created. And if it looks good, no prune it. If it doesn't work out, prune it. So what if Mm -hmm. all they do all day is Look at new. Like he wakes up in the morning. Like Mobius wakes up in the morning, gets some coffee, and says, "Okay, which timeline is this? This is timeline two thousand three hundred and five of the cycle of ten. And he has to look at four or five different resets every day. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh God, I just like, prune this one. This is bad. Reset it. All right, let's try again. You know, like what if they're doing it like that? What if their job is to keep it, keep the universe cycle going, and make sure it's pure? I'm not sure what the end. Like, I think." Even Mobius said this. Mobius said that their jobs was to keep the timeline sacred until he who remains fixes the problem. And then they go to the end of time and just mm-hmm. live out. The, and you know, so, like, maybe that's their job. But, again, they don't explain it. Um, but maybe yeah. that's what they're doing. And that kind of solves the plot hole. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Um, I, I also wonder, did she misspeak when she said pruned? No, she said pruned. Doesn't prune to mean you get like your body gets zapped? Yeah, you know, I think what she meant to say is that her her timeline was reset, or maybe that she got that, that was bad. Um, but you know what? Um, it could be different editing problems because, uh, like, whenever they film a show, they have like five or six different endings, five or six different situations, and then the editors just put it together the way they want. So maybe that was a misspeak. That could be a misspeak for us, but it could be something that the the, the script said for her. And they mm-hmm. just didn't catch it. The super this cool, super- movie is kind of weird because there is definitely one ninja that stands out. Now, in the movie, that one ninja with the face mask and all the paint on it and everything was a key part of Shang-Chi's training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the part they could be playing in the movie. But as I looked at the cast on IMDb, that Ninja has a name called Death Dealer. Hmm. And it makes me think there's probably another cut of this movie where that character had more of a role to play than what they did in the final cut. Hang on. I'm I'm, I'm looking into my databases and there there is something with Death Dealer. But um, the problem is with this character... He's so like anybody could wear a costume and a mask like that. He could be anybody. And so, um, well, that's kind of good, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's what that's what you wanted from Taskmaster that you didn't get. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, but yeah, there is some. It is a Death Dealer type character. But the the thing is, the the movie never ne- never says he's Death Dealer, and the costume is not something I recognize from the Marvel comics. So it's just kind of hard to see. Mm. Mm. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, we'll link to yeah I got, more yeah, info I got, about Death Dealer in the show notes, but that, yeah. I, I just thought that was interesting. It seems like it kind of feels like I, it kind of feels like I missed it, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. You know, I'm not I'm not infallible. No, but it just seems you, like it seems like they're the, the seems like the role that that character was supposed to play changed while yeah. they were making the movie. Maybe okay. All right, Spider Man and his web shooters. Uh, and this was a point of conversation when uh, I was watching the movie with my family. So in this movie, he's got web shooters that he designed and created the goo that goes in them, whatever, mm-hmm. to create the spider webs. Mm-hmm. Have there been other movies where it's like just a natural ability he has that he's augmented somehow? And and how does that relate to the comics? What can you tell us about, about that? In... In the original Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 by Sam Raimi, uh, he has organic web shooters in his arms. 
So that's in, in those really? three movies. Yes. I did not remember. I thought for sure he had web shooters in those first no. three movies. It was actually a huge bone of contention um, because when the original Spider-Man movie came out with, um, what's his face? What's his actor's name? Tobey Maguire? Yeah, when Tobey Maguire, people got really upset because one of the things about Peter Parker is that it's supposed to be smart. And he was so. I thought smart. I remembered him creating web shooters. No, in, he didn't. The, no, no, he didn't. Hmm. And so right. because he because he didn't create his own web shooters, people got really upset. In hmm. the Amazing Spider-Man one and two, he does create his own web shooters, which people liked. Uh, okay. Marvel did retcon it so that Spider-Man went through a biological experience where his 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 abilities were enhanced. In the comics, and he ended up getting organic web shooters, and it's supposed to be it was supposed to bridge the gap between the movies and the comics. Um, but after Civil War, um, they retconned it back to where he had. <laughs> so they said, "Okay, he made his web shooters. No, he has organic web shooters. No, he makes his web shooters again." And making his web shooters are really important because it shows how smart and industrious Peter Parker is. I right. think, and I am on team web shoot. I'm on team make your web shooters. I like the yeah. idea that he makes those. I think it's I, important. I'm, I'm on that team so much that I did not remember him not having web shooters in the Tommy McGuire series. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that. Um, and uh, in the, I mean, of course, in um, in Civil War, Tony Stark probably you know takes or or has his team. I mean, Peter Parker's smart, but Tony Stark is smart as well. So. Tony was very impressed that uh, he made his own web shooters. Yeah, so he was able to take the formula and make it for him. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That answers that. We've talked about what I think is a plot hole in this episode a few times, and that's evolved. Whether it's a plot hole, whether it was the TVA lying. Where do you stand on that now? What plot hole was that with with, um, Sylvie? It's about Sylvie. Like, how is there? Uh, well, and now, and now, more versions of Loki. Mm-hmm. If we have a sacred timeline, how are there versions of Loki that physically look different from Tom Hiddleston? Because if there's a sacred timeline, Loki can only be born once in that timeline, so it has to look like Tom Hiddleston. Therefore, any variant would also look like Tom Hiddleston. Well, I think that we need to. Think about it. It's called, like you ever heard of this idea? Like you ever played? That's a card game. And this is gonna make sense in a minute. It's a card game called Dutch Blitz. Have you ever played it? I've never even heard of it. Have you ever played Uno? I've played Uno. Okay. Have you ever played any kind of high speed card game? I've played Uno. Okay. <laughs> well, Dutch Blitz <laughs> is a game where you play with two or four people or more, and yeah. you have. It's sort of like solitaire, so you have a bunch of cards in front of you that you have to match, but you also have to match cards in, in the middle of the pile. So you're competing with everybody else in the in the game to match as many cards as possible. Dutch Blitz is a great game to play it. But okay. a friend of mine who's really good at it, she, she's awesome at it, she says that you have to have soft eyes, which means you a can't— soft focus. Soft focus, very good. Race car drivers do the same thing. Yeah. You don't look at the cards in front of you. You have to have a soft focus so you can, so you can see everything. Yeah, and like— and that, that idea of soft focus, I mean, I do that when you do that when you play video games, to be honest with you. You should do that. Everybody should do that when they're driving, by the way. Soft focus. OK, that's a good advice. It sounds scary, but that's a good piece of advice. I do yeah. this when I play video games. If you play like Destiny 2 or any kind of high speed um, PvP game with a lot of stuff going on, when you first pick up the sticks, you're just nervous because you have to shoot this thing in front of you and you don't know what to do. But after mm-hmm. a while, you get such a good soft focus that you're not even looking at your gun anymore. You're not looking at any particular individual. You're looking at the whole battle space and you're thinking like 10 right. steps ahead. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to the idea of the variance and Loki and the sacred timeline, you should also have a soft focus on that. Like just like you can't focus too much on this Loki is an alligator, right? Think more of did this Loki could this Loki have achieved what he needed to achieve in the timeline, right? And like the idea is the reason why the alligator Loki and the black Loki and the classic Loki, the reason why those people got pruned is because their timelines began to diverge. But all of all, so all of the Lokis on. Is that even a planet? All of the Lokis in the Void can be explained, I guess. Or I, actually, I think. The one that cannot 
is Sylvie. Yeah, she could, but she can be explained. Like if she, if a, if a, a woman Loki could do the same thing as an alligator Loki, right? I mean, the whole purpose of Loki's is to fight Thor and to make Thor lift up and become a hero, right? That's the whole purpose. Right. But at some point, Sylvie became more than she was supposed to be. Right, and then she they had to prune her. So the way I look at the the sacred timeline, how many times the, have you been born? I think that's a that's a metaphysical question, Mike. To be honest with you, yeah, I, 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 I've I've been born once. Okay, but but in theory, okay. So which one do you think is the true Loki? It could be the Loki that we understand, but it could be Sylvie. Like who's, well, who, so who's I, to say I'm, who's true? I'm back to I'm back to I think that the showrunners and the writers created a plot hole. I, I think. Um, well, here's what I think, and this is me helping the show out a little bit. Okay, okay. I'm just helping the show out. I, so Nathaniel Richards' character said something very interesting. He said that he discovered that there are universes on top of his. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So okay. Now, do you have any kind of paper in front of you? No, but I can visualize. Okay, can you really? <laughs> yeah, and and our right. listeners can visualize. Okay, okay, listeners and Mike, please visualize. I'm holding a notebook right now. Can you hear it? Okay. Now, yep. I'm flat. The notebook is flat. There are pages in the middle, on top, and on the bottom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, each one of these pages are going the same direction and doing the same thing, and they look the same. But they're all individual pages doing the exact same thing. Right. But let's say if I flip through the pages. Let's mm-hmm. say if one page, the ink's messed up, right? I can't write on it because the pages isn't right. I'm going to tear this page out. That's a variant, right? And so the mm-hmm. idea with the sacred timeline, if you looked at the graphic that Disney showed that was surrounding the seal, the, the seal at the end of time, the sacred timeline had these threads in it. So the sacred timeline was a big white like th- thread, but it had multiple threads in it. So. Yeah. Think about it this way, Mike. Think about how, like, you can have an alligator Loki, you can have a woman Loki, you can have a black Loki, and you have a regular Loki, right? They're each going to do the same thing, but if one of them decides to do something different, they are going to cause uh, a a variation of the timeline, and and they're going to create a multiverse, right? So, yes, Sylvie is different than the other Lokis, but I think her, we could do a whole like bonus episode of the podcast on just arguing our points on this. Hundred percent. Well, we're doing. <laughs> There's nothing really else to talk about with this episode. All right. So here, here's how you can explain all the Loki's within the void. Okay. Okay. I, I think I just did. No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> here's how you can explain all the Loki's within the void. Okay. And 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 this goes back to what he who remains was talking about. Um. So he says again. So. Before this episode, I was like, okay, yeah, they, there's no plot hole. There never was a multiversal war. That was all a lie by the TVA. However, he who remains says that he, in fact, did yeah. in the multiversal war and had a sacred timeline. So that's yeah. where I say, okay, now there's a plot hole again. However, the way there can be all those different Lokis within the Void is because they could have been sent to the Void by um, or as a result of ending the multiversal war. And we all know what do Loki's do? Loki's survive. If that makes you feel better, that's a great, that's so, a great explanation. So that's yeah. how they could be there. Sure. However, Sylvie is still. Sylvie was supposed a to be there. Sylvie was supposed to be there. She escaped. So right. she would have been pruned when she was a girl. She used to be there. She, 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 she would. But, she's, but she would still have to come from the sacred timeline, which means she'd have to look like Tom Hiddleston. But all the other ones did too, though. We don't know that. Okay. All right. I they could have, <laughs> they could have been from before the multiversal war. We don't know that. All right. Anyway, anyway, that was all. Like we could do a whole. We could probably do a, an hour and a half or two hours just talking about that. I think. Well, I, I can hold in my head the idea of two things being the same but different, right? And like, I don't think the universe cares your sexual orientation or gender. No, if, I, if I, I don't if either. You're supposed it's, to, if you're supposed that, to do, if you're supposed just, to do the same thing, if right, if within Sylvie a single could, timeline. Somebody can only be born once. Well, but, but 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 my page, my paper metaphor, right? My paper metaphor. That's multiversal. I know, but okay. No, think about it this way: you have a bunch of different timelines that are doing the same thing. So in that reality, all that's these a bunch time- of different timelines. Yeah, I agree with that. If we but have multiverses, not, but then no problem. Yeah, but I, think about it this way: they all are a bunch of multiverses, right? 
But if right. one goes weird, it creates an alternate multiverse and it splits from the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it's coming off of that, then. Okay, no, no, I feel I don't know if it's a plot hole. It's just like, I think it's an overall disagreement of the fundamentals of how multi universes could work. Like you could, yeah. that could be a female version of you. Which ones? But which ones? The and the whole absolutely idea, in a in a multiverse there could yeah. be. Yes, and the whole no, idea of a no sacred timeline is a lie. Like this is the but timeline. Within my that he, timeline, you have to be your uh, white guy. Yeah, and you your timeline. Guy. Yeah, and yours. Right. Right. So okay, so the you're idea, saying that Sylvie came from a different timeline than Tom did. Hundred percent. So there. So she did not come from the sacred timeline, or. Tom did not come from the sacred timeline. No, what I'm saying is that the sacred timeline creates creates variant timelines, and they can stay under the radar until they get weird. So, for example, the alligator timeline was in the sacred timeline. The black guy was in the sacred timeline. All these different Lokis were in the same timeline, right? But because they got weird, they diverged, and then they got noticed by the TVA. And that would have to be... They'd have to, like, the timeline would have to diverge while they're an embryo or something for that to happen. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> but anyway. See, I, but the, the whole thing about the sacred timeline is a lie. There is no sacred timeline. The, the universe wants to have a multiverse. And, and right. the, the he who remains are officially manipulated the timeline to create one that he likes, right? One that yeah, he prefers. He, so maybe he allowed two. Well, I'm saying is that it's not— yet. Yeah, one was Tom Hiddleston's timeline, and the other was Sophie's timeline. And he's like, "All right, I've got, I've got Sophie. Let's chop off her timeline." And now, now we've got, now we're down to one. I really like this timeline. We're going to stick with that. What I'm saying is that he, he is, he's at a monitor, and he thinks, "Okay, I have my sacred timeline. It's perfect." But underneath, it's not. You have a lot of different variations being created, and he doesn't notice them until they diverge too much, and he sees them. So I mm-hmm. think that the timeline is, I think it's by nature in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just by the idea of fiction, right, in general, multiverses, the idea of multiple different timelines is natural. And he's mm-hmm. artificially controlling it. It's not supposed to be that way, right? Right. And right. so that's, and so, you know, he, he's looking at a monitor and he's like, oh, wow, a variant, a variation. I got to prune that. But there's all kinds of different variations bubbling under there that he doesn't notice until it happened. Now, this is not, it's not our fault that we're arguing about this. It's the show's fault. But the show could do a better job explaining it, but it would take, like, we've been talking about this for 17 minutes, right? So right. It would take yeah. half, a, half an episode. Uh, they, could, they could explain it pretty quickly, I think. But the Scorpions in this movie, McDonald Gargan, if the. Who? So in the boat scene where the, the, they're doing the weapons exchange, there was a guy talking, trying to buy the weapons. He has a tattoo of a scorpion on his neck. He's he is the scorpion. He's the, so he could be he could show up later. In fact, he's in the in credit scene. I think you're going to talk about it in a second. Hmm. Oh, okay. That answers, I think, one of the questions. I yeah. Have. So okay. yeah. So at the end of the movie, um, if I'm remembering this correctly, because I watched this two weeks ago, um, you got uh, Tumas is in prison. You you describe the in credit scene. So refresh my memory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Timus is in prison, or he's he's entering prison. He runs across another inmate. The other inmate's like, "Hey, <clears throat> word is you know who Spider Man is. You know his secret identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me know so I can kill him." And Tumus, you know, he pauses for a minute or a moment, and he thinks, and he says, "If I knew who Spider Man was, he'd already be dead." Yes. And I have no idea who that guy is he's talking to. That's a scorpion. And I'm watching this thing. That's a scorpion. Okay. That's him. So I should have realized that that guy had a scorpion on his neck and that he showed up in that brief scene on the boat. I mean, you should. Like, he's from the boat, so you should make those connections. But most people wouldn't know that he's like the scorpion. I mean, most people wouldn't know that. But what the, mm. the good thing about this is, and this is something that might show up later, is that there's a group of villains called the Sinister Six. So it's usually the Sinister Six. The Sinister Six is usually the uh, the Vulture, Doctor Octopus, uh, Mysterio, uh, the Electro, and Sandman. But it could be it could be any other people. 
So in the upcoming movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, the, the theory is that we will get a Sinister Six. So we will get all these six villains that are trying to, they, they band together and say, our job is to kill Spider-Man. We're going to kill him. Uh, so just imagine a scene, Mike, where you have six villains fighting Spider-Man at once. You know, like, that's... Is Scorpion is one of those? He could be. So that it's, it, it doesn't have to be those six. It could, they can interchange. But, the, but mm-hmm. in a pinch, they could easily say, okay, you're going to be a Scorpion, and you're going to be in the movie. And yeah, so it could be. Mm-hmm. All right, so in the first Captain America movie, um, parkour hasn't been invented yet. But in this Captain America movie, it's in modern times, parkour has been invented, and it appears that uh, Steve Rogers has learned some of it because there's, uh, my note is superhero parkour. Uh, there, there's some, well, he's running over the buildings, chasing where's uh, I think it's, I think there's a little bit like on the, on the ship, there's some during that chase sequence on the top of the buildings. Um, yeah, there's just like some parkour type moves that, uh, Steve busts out through this movie and and they're they're amped up because he's a super uh human basically. So it's it's yeah, it's, it's, it's like, amped up parkour and it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny you say that cuz I take it for granted. Um when you read comics, superheroes travel like that all the time. So like superheroes travel over rooftops. That's what they do. So Captain America Jumping from a build like rooftop to rooftop and and doing um, superhero parkour, which is now the official term for superhero movement, uh, is it's <laughs> kind of it's it's kind of typical. It's it's so funny, it's so funny to hear you say that. I, I just take it for granted. Like, well, of co- how else is Captain America going to travel? <laughs> right. Well, there wasn't um, really anything like that that stood out in the first Captain America yeah. movie. So I no, don't know. No, if you're they, right. I don't know if they planned that. Or if I'm just connecting the dots that when the original Captain America was set, parkour hadn't yet been invented by David Bell in, in Paris yet. But when, but see, okay, what, so do you, what date did that happen? What date did parkour? I think I think David Bell's about our age. Um, he invented it as as a teenager in Paris. His dad was in the military, and he got it kind of from his dad's, uh, you know, taking his dad's military agility training, I guess, and taking it into an urban setting. Yeah, but like Spider-Man was doing that in the comics in the 60s. And so was Daredevil, Batman. <laughs> like, right. So, yeah. So in the comics. I mean, I was imagining all- doing it <laughs> when I was in elementary school, but I just never yeah, did. And I never no. saw anybody do it until David Bell um, kind of. Uh, yeah, I think if you look at parkour as a stylized version of that with certain kind of techniques that, that are effective, mm-hmm. 100%. But if you look at um, superhero parkour, that's right. just been around for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's such a great, it's, it's such a such an interesting term. I never would have thought about that. Right. I, 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 I was watching some, I watched some Netflix Daredevil last night. And um, first, great, great series. Have you ever watched it? Yeah, it's really good. Or yeah, so great. Is it still going? Yeah. No, it's not. It's canceled. No, they canceled. Yeah. They did three seasons. Um, and uh, he did some superhero parkour last night, and I was like, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I wish I was twenty years younger and way fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish that when I was imagining doing all that stuff when I was a kid, I was actually trying to do some of it. I, it just didn't seem. Yeah. It didn't yeah. seem humanly I wish possible I, when I was imagining it. You know. No. And it, it, it's not like it's not humanly. Like most people would die. Yeah, kind of so, so you have to be in in really good shape, and I guess it it can help yeah. get you into really good shape. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. early in this movie, uh, Cap is invading a, a a ship that has pirates aboard it. Um, yep. He kicks the bad guys, and they go flying. I had to I had to go back a few times and watch that over and over again because um, it's just it's kind of comical how fast uh, he kicks them off. You know, the first guy he kicks mm-hmm. he kicks. Um, you know, almost like a guy got hit by a cannonball and flies over the railing of the ship into the ocean. Um, he's there's a scene in that scene. He's running and he just like nudges a guy and he flies off the boat real casual. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he just killed a guy basically. If you throw a guy off a boat like that, they're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, he's like you're dead now, and they can't run. But yeah, 
Um, are you asking like how he could do that, or did you just think that the super soldier serum? Well, number was one, that's, that's just something that I loved about the movie. <laughs> just the the kinetic uh, fury of Captain America uh, attacking that yeah. ship is amazing. The scenes were shot really well, but also. Uh, he seems a lot stronger in this movie than he did in the first Captain America. Maybe it's just because he's more experienced now. Um, but also, how does that play into uh, Cap's kind of, uh, what do you call it, the levels, power levels within the comics? Mm-hmm. Power levels, I, 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 I'm actually, um was watching the movie and I was like thinking about that. I think that if, I think he has three, t- in this movie, in the movie, he has Probably three times the strength of like if you have a really strong guy who's like two fifty all muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Rogers is probably three times stronger than that. Maybe if he really pushed it, he could be about four times. Um, and so like in that fight scene, this first he really highlighted his fighting abilities. And I mean, this guy. If you look at the Steve Rogers before he got the serum, he really didn't study fighting. I'm sure he learned how to fight over time during the war. Um, but I'm thinking that after he came out the ice, he's been training. And they showed him training a little bit in Avengers, mm-hmm. um, in the first Avengers movie when he's punching the punching bag. So I think that he's just been training a whole bunch. And his shield work is also very advanced. So you have him you have him kind of studying his martial arts, studying his training, and also kind of like just... And you're right, he's utilizing his super soldier strength a lot more. Which is interesting uh, because when you get to that fight with the Leaper, um, the French guy, when he was like fighting him one on one, that guy's super strong, probably. But Cap and Cap was not really being hurt by him that much, mm-hmm. but he was having a hard time like putting him down. Well, my, my so, son commented um, on that on how Cap should be able to take out this guy no problem because the other guy doesn't have any kind of super abilities. But he's thick. He's a big dude. He's a big guy. And he's, um, he's he's I mean he's probably fought a lot. He's been trained. He's been tempered by all his. Stuff so like if you're fighting someone who's three times your strength, um, and you're and you're pretty big, then might the the odds might be like instead of three times, he might be two times. Also, he right? caught so, Cap completely off guard for the first yeah. two seconds of the fight, at least. Mm-hmm. And, and most people, I would say, the the Lipper could have fought most people in one. Oh yeah, but Captain America was able to take him down relatively quickly. Yeah, so, really, I mean, like, yeah. Once he wasn't surprised anymore about the fight. Like he was taking punches like a statue, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't really mm-hmm. phased by the guy hitting him that much. Um, yeah, like he gets hit, hit so pretty hard by the guy one time, and he just kind of he just kind of stands there, you know. Um, and then he then he pretty quickly takes him out. Yeah. So the, to your son's point, um, Captain America just can't punch everybody. Like even like. Um, if you're if you're Captain America, you probably don't use all your strength on one punch because you worry about breaking people's faces off. Right. So he might, you know, he might be holding back a little bit here and there. I did not remember Donald Glover being in this movie. Yep. Uh, my son told me who he is already. Yep. But would you like to tell the listeners? What, who what he did is? your son say? Uh, that is uh, the uncle. Of Miles Morales. Correct. Aaron Davis. Yes, correct. So he is the prowler in the comics. Because he says, as Spider-Man is interrogating him, he's like, man, I don't want that stuff in this neighborhood. I've got a nephew in this Yeah, that's him. That's Miles Morales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he's talking about Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah everybody, everybody kind of got that. Um, but, well, I didn't because I don't read the yeah. comics, but somehow my son... Is your son that. reading comics? Not that I know under, of. Under the bed at he night? Plays, he plays... He does play the Spider-Man video game. Well, he's the, oh, if he plays the Spider-Man video game, then they ha, they, the Miles Morales is in the is in the game. Okay, that's my that might be. Oh, you, you know, your son might be reading comics. You might want to find out because if he is, it's a, it's <laughs> it's when you need to take care of soon. Don't let him just do it and not not deal with it. Um, no, yeah. So Aaron Davis. So there's a character called the Prowler that I've always loved, but this, this character. So it's always been um, it's always been a black dude, but in the the original. Prowler, it, this isn't him. Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis is a different Prowler, but the same character. It's like it, it has a purple cape. It's really cool looking. But uh, it's a whole. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing with Ma- very very cool character in the uh, animated Spider Man. Yeah, so cool. I voice multiverse. And, and, yeah, so cool. And just uh, FYI, if someone would have told me that the Prowler would have been in a, in a major 
animated Spider-Man movie, I would have like, said no way. No one cared about the Prowler, but it's really cool that he's in this. Um, but yeah, so that's a really good shot. And like everybody and his cousin wants Miles Morales to be in the MCU, and and uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Except in, for me. Except for you. But at some yeah. point, we're going. Like, at some point, you will see Miles Morales on the big screen. So it's, we'll have to just wait and see when. That I is. mean, I don't, I don't not want to see Miles Morales, but I don't want to let go of Peter Parker. Hmm. No, Peter Parker's my Spider Man too. Um, but like, as a whole generation, with that Spider Man is Miles Morales, so it's like different. Like, uh, I have a note about five tribes. I don't know if that's super significant, but um, are there five tribes in Wakanda, or are there, is there anything important about them? In the comics, there are tribes. The Jubabi tribe um, is the one. It's like the the tribe that protects like the border regions. Uh, that was a, that's a tribe that's been in the comics for quite a while since the sixties. I'm that's not sure. helpful. Yeah, tell me more about that. Like, are the are the tribes like regional in Wakanda? Yeah, it's like you gotta think about it. So, like, uh, I would think about it. It's like. The movie insinuated that they were like banking tribes, they were like a merchant tribes, they were like technology tribes. The um the Jubari tribe was in charge of J- Jabari tribe is in charge of protecting the borders, and so mm. they're not re- like they're not regional as much as it's like functional, right? Like right. this okay. tribe is in charge of this, this tribe is in charge. Of, like, there's a mining tribe, and so each tribe is in charge of a certain thing. Um. So, so that tribe that protects the borders, are they outside of the like Yes. They're stuff? outside of like the so like so Wakanda in the in the comics and the in the movies has like a big like dome over it, right? Mm-hmm. And like it's like a it kind of hides the, the 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 main part of the country and the Jabari tribe is outside of it. So if like you were a stranger and you want to, you know, walk into Wakanda, but you didn't know, of course you didn't know that was a crazy technological place then you would meet the jabari tribe and they would like probably talk to you and probably tell you to get out of here you know so it's like so they probably look quote unquote like a normal african tribe but they're just kind of hiding out yeah Mm -mm. do they can they travel freely into the really technological part of oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. totally Mm -hmm. and so they they benefit from all that they're not like subjugated and no no well everybody's subjugated because they have a they have a uh, monarchy monarchy is it monarchy? Yeah, it's because they have yeah. a monarchy. Um, but um, Let's, yeah, but they have they, seemingly but, it's a benevolent monarchy. I guess yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's not always been, but it, it is. But um, and it's a, not hereditary based, so that's that's a, another good thing about it. If you're going to have a monarchy, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So um, yeah, the Jabari tribe can go in and out of the of the main country as, as much as they want. And they can they interact with people like that. So yeah, it's, it's they, they they're not like slaves or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, we had lots of questions about that because we see, you know, Wakanda's hidden, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say we, I mean my family. Uh, Wakanda's hidden, but then we see in the movie there's like clearly um, what look to be, I'm going to use this word for lack of a better term, primitive people. They're in Wakanda. And so it's like, well, is that in Wakanda? Is that outside of Wakanda? So that's the. Yeah, I mean, I don't Jabari think Jabari tribe you're talking about. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't say pri- it goes say primitive, more like um, like agricultural or rural areas. So like they had like you said, you saw like the huts and stuff like that. So that's like what you would consider to be like more rural Africa, right? Uh, and so and so like yeah, and like and that's that's kind of a ruse because that way, if you like remember, Wakanda has to be hidden. So if like anybody kind of walked up and saw the Jabari tribe sort of like hanging out, they wouldn't They'd think like, okay, oh, okay, this, yeah, this is this is you know. Backwoods, Africa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That helps out a lot. Uh, I would argue. I think you'd agree. He's the quintessential Spider-Man as far as what how looks are concerned. Do you agree? Yeah, I think uh, as far as looks and also the, just the way he plays him seems like really spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so much the way he's written in this movie, mm. but the way that Tom plays him, I think, is spot on. Like, Like I said, I think Tom Holland is the Pierce Brosnan of Spider-Man. That's, that means yeah. the quintessential Spider-Man, basically. That's right. He was made for the role. Okay. I would also... The way Pierce Brosnan was made to be James Bond. I would Bond, agree that Pierce like, Brosnan... Like, given bad scripts. Yes, no. Pierce Brosnan Pierce was also the quintessential um, uh, James Bond. And I think that um, the first movie... What's the first movie that he did? What was it called? Uh, GoldenEye. I think GoldenEye is his best movie. And um, Absolutely. it's fantastic. The rest of them was... T- were terrible. 
There was a couple of yeah, them that might have been we're okay. Not, we're not good. But he did so many of them. It was just like, and always over the top, but I always went and saw them anyway. And then, yeah, and then, same here. Yeah, and same then here. you had um, Daniel Craig, who I, who I think the movies are better, but he doesn't look like James Bond necessarily, you know? So, yeah. It's yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. Tom Holland is the quintessential looking Spider-Man way acts, but the script itself, I think the the scripts for Homecoming, Far From Home, and then oh, well, hopefully No No Way Home is way better. But the the the, the two Spider-Man offerings we've had have been problematic. The biggest complaint I think people have about this movie is how somehow again Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. sneaks his way into a movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's like, hey guys, I want in this movie, and like he has a he has a pre he has a lot of screen time. He has a couple. He has yeah, he has he like does. one, two, three, four, five scenes, five scenes in this movie. That's crazy. I'll I'll say this: I liked this movie in spite of Tony Stark being in it. Okay, see, so so it, I definitely wish he wasn't in it, yeah. or at least not as much as he is. Um, you know, like the beginning scene where he gives him the the suit, I guess was good. Mm-hmm. I didn't need every other scene after that. So let me give you some some comic history. Um, Spider Man and Iron Man really didn't have a relationship like this until around Civil War, where at some point, right before Civil War, Spider Man joined the Avengers. So Iron Man and Spider Man were working together as the Avengers. Iron Man realized that Peter Parker was really smart and started kind of being his mentor. At some point, um, Spider-Man was in financial difficulties. Or something like that happened. So Tony Stark helped him out mm-hmm. like that. But then during the Civil War, um, Tony Stark convinced Peter Parker to reveal his identity to the world. And Spider-Man's secret identity was the biggest secret in, in Marvel, basically. Like, no one really knew except a few people who Spider-Man was. And when he revealed right. himself to the world, it was a big deal. Uh, and then uh, I, Tony Stark did give Spider-Man a new spider suit. It's the Iron Spider-Man suit. It's the same suit that you've seen in uh, Avengers: Affinity War, where he has like the three, the four legs in his back. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen that, right? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, that, we saw that in the in the new trailer. In the new trailer, the... that's the Iron Man suit. So in the comics, he, uh, Tony Stark gives him that suit, and um, Peter uses it. But then Peter realizes that. Um, that the that Tony Stark was on the wrong side of the Civil War, and he leaves, and and, and they end up having to fight and all kinds of stuff. And it's a long story, but in the com, that's how that's how the Tony Stark Peter Parker relationship happened in the comics. And this movie is taking that relationship sort of the same way. Um, yeah. So just keep that in mind. Okay, I can see that, and it does happen after Civil War in the MCU. Exactly. So so, so it's actually really interesting. Um, Marvel is taking aspects of the Ultimate Spider-Man comics and the Civil War comics and kind of blending them. Not seamlessly. There's some problems, but overall, it's working out pretty good. And and I, I like the narrative arc of the story. Like Tom Holland has a super suit. He's being Spider-Man, but he's not taking it as seriously as he should. And then people almost die. The, uh, Tony Stark takes the suit back, and then Peter Parker has to just you know, be use his, use his powers that he has, uh, and um, his just own grit. Like that scene where um, the the vulture collapses the building on top of Peter Parker. You remember that scene? Yeah, yep. So, and then Peter Parker has to lift the building off of him. Like that's a, that's right. directly from the comics. There's a scene where Spider-Man is trapped in a building, and he has to be like, "Come on, you can do this. You can do this." And he, and it's like a really emotional scene. So that, that's my favorite part okay. is when Peter Parker's stuck in that building. He's like, you know, screaming for help. And then he realizes if I'm going to be a hero, I have to be a hero. I have to just get out of this myself and, and stop this from happening, um, which is right. really good. I thought that was great. I thought that the whole arc was, was fantastic. 